Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I am your Cobra intern whose body is saying, let's go. But my heart is saying no. Codename Legion Cub. You can follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. Uh, on Instagram, we are, well, actually, I might be done with Name That Joe or Cobra of my Joe Fest finds, but there will be further adventures of Name That Joe and Cobra continuing on, uh, as well as all of the G.I. Joe pop culture news that's fit to share. Cobra Convergence just wrapped up, but you can see a month's worth of Cobra-oriented content from many different content providers at hcc788.com. Go take a look at the full schedule for July. There are links to everything. Uh, We put up a special episode. And basically all of the major G.I. Joe uh, media people from across the internet provided some cool stuff uh, and, and major thanks to hooded Cobra <clears throat> commander seven, eight, eight for putting everything together and for being such a cornerstone of the online GI Joe community. All right, you guys, I do believe it is time for a review. All right, guys, so we talked about the first episode of G.I. Joe Saturday Morning Adventures from IDW a while ago on the show, and because I I am no longer a regular purchaser of comic books, I've gotten kind of behind on anything. This is literally the only comic I'm buying right now, because one of our early episodes, we reviewed uh, that Snake Eyes comic that was so terrible. (laughs) <laughs> and, no. and yeah. uh we, we didn't keep it up didn't with, get better no we didn't keep up with that one but saturday morning adventures was fantastic so while i was in uh wilmington north carolina visiting my parents after joe fest i stopped by a local comic book shop there uh memory lane comics and picked up the second and third issues of saturday morning adventures And apparently since then, issue four has come out, but I don't have it yet. So we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the uh, issues two and three of G.I. Joe Saturday Morning Adventures, which is a continuation, or I guess not even a continuation. It's just part of the Sunbow animated adventures of G.I. Joe. Which it's weird that it's called Saturday Morning Adventures because G.I. Joe was not a Saturday morning cartoon. Nope. That's always been a point of contention with me. Like when people put up those memes, like if your Saturday mornings didn't look like this and it has like gummy bears and shirt tails and then GI Joe and you're like, G. G. Joe wasn't, yeah, Transformers, Transformers also not Saturday morning. Right. Nope. But, uh, but anyway, you know, the, those memes are made by people like 10, 15 years younger than us who actually don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure somewhere on the planet, G.I. Joe aired on Saturday mornings. Uh, but this comic book, we loved the first issue. We had a great time with it. 
and it felt like a very natural extension of the Sunbow cartoons. Cobra Commander gets a magic lamp and, as one does, starts making wishes. And, of course, we have a genie who is maybe not as cooperative as you would want him to be. He's he's no Robin Williams. Well, uh, you know, he clearly states, I can't, you know, grant a wish to make you more powerful than me. And that kind of makes sense in some sort of weird genie logic. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, well, it makes sense in, in uh, we have a story that we need to tell here. and We don't want right. to blow it up on the first page. Well, and I like that as the story progresses, the genie's attitude just gets worse. Oh, yes. And yes. Worse. He, his, I mean, he starts growing... out being like, okay, here we go. And then every little thing that happens, you, the genie's just getting more and more annoyed. Well, well thousands as... of years of, of being rubbed by all these people, he's never met a Cobra commander in his life. Right. <laughs> and, and, and as anyone would, the more time he spends around Cobra commander, the more irritated he gets by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, our writer on this is Eric Burnham, who has a great experience with lots of pop culture licenses and always does a fantastic job with these sorts of things. Artist Dan Shoning, whose name I'm possibly mangling, and I apologize for that, has, I mean, these look like animation cells. Yeah, he's captured the Sunbow look perfectly. The, everything from the the proportions to the facial expressions, just it's such dynamic storytelling. This is, it's funny, I as I was reading this, I was like, wow, he's really bringing the cartoon to life, which makes <laughs> no sense because it's the opposite, but he, he is really properly representing the cartoon in two dimensions. And the, and the colors pop so much for like being on paper. Cause that's the thing yes. with like, you know, with, with comic books, you're always expecting to be the, the colors to be more muted and everything. And it doesn't always look that good on paper. And granted I'm reading them digitally, but I can imagine that it probably on glossy paper still looks just as good as it does. On oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Like I said, these look like, okay. So you guys remember the Warner brothers store. Mm-hmm. You yeah. could go in the Warner Brothers store and buy these like fake animation cells. I, I have a number of them from Batman the Animated Series. They're not real animation cells, but it's art designed to look like animation cells. And that's what these pages look like. They look like those old framed animation cell prints that Warner Brothers store had. And it's fantastic. And I and I realize I said I brought this to life in 2D and cartoons are also 2D. There's just no proper comparison. Static <laughs> images of the cartoon. Let's move on. Uh, we have Color by Luis Antonio Delgado. And I, no I relation to a, shipwreck. No relation to shipwreck. Uh, I want to give a special commendation, though, to the letterer, Neil Uyatake. We're getting, like, every name I'm having to say here is getting more complicated, I feel like. Uh, but, but just I want to give a shout-out to the letterer because there's so much responsibility here to present a tone. All of the captions are in this almost like digital print, but then you have Cobra commander's laughter that looks a certain way. It's a very animated dynamic job on the lettering. And I, th- I think it deserves attention because nobody pays any attention to the lettering. We just appreciate it. Like if it's bad, you notice it, but if it's great, it's just sort of there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cobra Commander at the beginning of this issue explains his motivate like this is great 
because this is something that doesn't happen in Sunbow, he actually lays out his motivation for all these convoluted schemes that we've seen over the years. He wants people to be afraid of him and he wants their compliance. So he does all these weird things like send giant fire-breathing snake robots out into the world, not because he really thinks that's going to conquer the world, but because he wants to scare people. He wants Cobra, the image of Cobra, to instill fear in his potential subjects. And I like that they actually, you know, he lays it out there. It's, it's got more of the, I don't know if motivation is the right word, but like, you know, his original file card, Cobra Commander is a used car salesman. And this, even though it's following the cartoon, the way this Cobra Commander speaks reminds me more of that original file card than just the monologuing. But we get a little more of his motivation from this. Yeah. I personally, so Cobra Commander in the cartoons, Cobra Commander in the comic books and other media are different characters to me. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that Cobra Commander in the cartoons is really just a bumbling guy with like delusions of grandeur and doesn't really have a plan. So much like they did in Resolute, one of my biggest complaints about that was that Cobra Commander came out and was like, for years, I presented myself as being this whatever you know bumbling person that had all these crazy ideas but really i'm you know these are my devious plans that i'm going to reveal now and that's there's a little bit of that here i don't like trying to explain away cobra commander being a bumbling fool because sunbow cobra commander is just that's just who he is well, but I don't feel like with this, he, he like sat down and laid it out. It was more of a casual aside than it was a, let me explain this 40 years of buffoonery to you. <laughs> uh, I, I like the way that they handled it. It was very concise and kind of just moved it along. But I also see it as, as the story goes along, he can't help himself. His ego gets in the way. Like, they definitely give him more or they give him some wins in this, but he doesn't sure. know when to stop. He yeah. keeps going and keeps pushing and therefore his failures are his own fault. So I feel like without being like Keystone cop bumbling, he is still ineffective. Ho- hoisted by his own. There you car. go. Uh, and of course, the genie becomes, you know, is the traditional genie of, of the, you know, the monkey's paw or whatever the deal is, where be careful what you wish for or be careful how you phrase what you wish for. The genie's always looking for a loophole, looking to kind of take advantage of, of the wisher. Uh, I love the dialogue in this all throughout because it's all snappy, it's all quick. And every Joe, like they're always talking back and forth like they were in the cartoon. Um, Sorry, I'm flipping through my issue for my examples. Like you have Lady J and Flint and Wild Bill all, I don't want to say quipping back and forth because it's not all jokey jokes, but it's pattern. It's combat 
conversation and it's the same kind of thing they did in the show to keep the momentum of the scene going and mm-hmm. to give everybody some dialogue and some input to to build up those characters. And they did a lot of that with like Destro and the Baroness too, where they're kind of like they're just they're just watching Cobra Commander kind of make a fool out of himself and kind of joking around about it in the background too. Yes. Yeah. Just yeah, letting I, just letting him fail, even though even though it's going to affect Baroness, them if, if if they fail. I love how Baroness and Destro are are portrayed. Like the the part when the Cobra Commander wishes for upgraded weapons for all of his loyal, does he say servants or soldiers, whatever it is. Most, but then most loyal followers. Yeah, but then he's like, but they can't hurt me. Right. Because he knows how they're going to be. And then Baroness and Destro have that little quip of like, like, who's his loyal followers? Yeah. Who is that going to be exactly? Because <laughs> we know, know it's not us. And that's, you know, that's another thing that's so much fun about these is that it's very meta, but it doesn't come across as that, like, too clever for its own good meta. It's none of the observations they make seem out of character. Mm-hmm. But but they're little moments, and I've I've got one in the next issue that's particularly good. But there there are these moments of where the writer is acknowledging something silly about the premise, but it's in character, so it doesn't come across as snarky or, or disrespective of the material. It's just it's all very clever, and that's all. Like I said, Eric Burnham. Uh, really knows what he's doing with these pop culture franchises. Uh, so shipwreck dies. <laughs> this, this explosive panel where quick kick and shipwreck are defending the, the base against the giant bat. And then they swoop in and Zartan swoops in and blasts shipwrecks, uh, gun emplacement. And he's, dead and you can't believe it and it lasts a whole page i i was i was actually confused at that at that panel because i didn't you see polly flying off on the side but like the placement of where shipwreck would be versus quick kick it doesn't look like he's blowing up where shipwreck would be so i didn't think it conveyed that they killed off shipwreck as much until they, they go to the next line and say that like uh, a gi joe has perished yeah, it's the the panel is not organized very well because the panel above it, both cannons are facing forward and there's this big structure behind them. Right. And then the angle right here, Zartan would be like on top of that structure. Quick kick shouldn't be facing the explosion. Like there's definitely uh, a little flaw with the way the art is set up. But at the same time, that's something that entirely possible would have happened in the sunbow <laughs> cartoons you mean the saturday morning cartoon yeah, yeah right uh so it's it's fine it's fine and then once you do get to the ne- that next panel you get what's going on and then of course a few panels later shipwreck walks out of the flames unscathed <laughs> because the genie has pulled his genie tricks on old cobra commander because shipwreck referred to himself as me in a in a very weird awkward exchange that i thought sounded very unnatural and it wasn't until later on i realized why he says it that way 
I was like, okay. I get that they had to set up the well, it's, I mean, the it's reveal. Not, it's not that crazy. He says, "Hey, it's me." I was like, "That's a weird way to put that." Well, he said, <laughs> "Hey, it's he's talking about spoiling things," and yes. I think most Joes probably think of shipwreck as the guy who kind of spoils everything. So he says, "Hey, it's me." Like, I, it worked for me. It, it wasn't. It wasn't that out of line. I didn't think. Uh, but but you're right. It was kind of forced to set up the next thing, but that's okay. Yeah, because that's what we're doing here. Right. I mean, yes. It's 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 not to it's not out of place in the world we're building here. Right. Right. Uh, so the genie straight up tells Cobra Commander the way that you phrased the thing. Let me do it this way. And Cobra Commander gets all angry, and Baroness and Destro are enjoying Cobra Commander's anger, and then shipwreck saves the day. Hops in a shark, uh, which which does not eject from the belly of a whale, which is something I saw in another G.I. Joe comic recently. Uh, but since none of the Cobra's weapons, uh, newly fortified weapons, can hurt Shipwreck in any way, although it was a little weird to me that they could blow up the gun he was sitting in, but they cannot blow up the shark that he's in. Yeah. But also, I don't care, because we're having fun. You've got it for me... Uh, there, there's a balance of fun and realism. And if there's enough fun, you can throw realism out the window, but you've got to be giving me the fun. And this gave me the fun to the point where consistency and realism, I, I, I can overlook some things. Uh, so so uh, Shipwreck tricks them into blowing up the one of the giant bats, the one that's attacking this ship. Uh, but... We get a little bit of clever foreshadowing. Cobra Commander is obviously keeping an eye on this clock. His main concern is not this battle. He's looking at the time. So next we move on to Duke and Scarlet, uh, along with some other Joes, battling a giant bat in a different location, which, by the way, this is... I'm almost disappointed this is only four issues because it's such a five-episode miniseries story. You've got Joes dispersed across the globe dealing with separate problems. Now, in this instance, the separate problems are all giant bats, but they're in different locations, uh, dealing with them in their own ways. And, of course, Duke's way to deal with a giant bat is to grab a bomb and a jetpack and fly towards it. (laughs) How does this work out for Duke, fellas? Is it even G.I. Joe if Duke doesn't put on a jetpack and fly somewhere? More importantly, more importantly, is it even G.I. Joe if Duke doesn't get captured? (laughs) Good point. (laughs) So, which of course, they uh, there's a little meta text to that too. It's like, oh, we're here again. (laughs) Well, yeah, in the arena of sport, Duke even says later on, why isn't it? Why, why doesn't Flint ever get captured? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so, so once the bat that Duke has successfully mounted an assault on grabs Duke. Cobra commander says, no, no, we've captured a GI Joe. And the other portion of my plan that I haven't even told you buffoons about is underway. So everybody withdraw. And then we move to uh Tomax and Zamot in the trouble bubbles. Some of our favorite vehicles, uh, 
who don't necessarily want to retreat and who foreshadow a future revolt against Cobra Commander. And I love, there's this one panel of Tomax and Zaymont side by side in their trouble bubbles, kind of giving each other knowing glances. Uh, that's just fantastic. It, it really sums up the twins, I feel like. And of course, we get the old uh, Flint. What's going on? They had the advantage, and now they're leaving. Oh, their their plan must be more even even more sinister than we realized. And indeed, it is because, <laughs> however it happened, Cobra Commander has managed to raid the world's gold reserves. <laughs> And steal all the gold. And that is where issue two, the main story of issue two concludes. What do you guys think of this? I loved that ending. I They had me for a moment there. Um, after spending a lot of time reading the IDW comics, and of course, it t- you know, taking a more adult sort of dangerous tone um when they captured duke and he's like no no he's worked more to me alive it sort of took me out for a minute minute and i was like oh yeah we're going cartoon route here so they won't really do anything bad right and then as that the rest of that played out i was just like wait this is this is getting even bad for the cartoon and then we get to that last panel. I was like, oh, oh you got me. Right, because it makes you that coming. It makes you think for a minute that Co- was Cobra Commander's whole plan to capture Duke, which right. is hilarious because it is sort of sunbowy. Yeah. Oh, I've captured Duke. Let's get out of here. But then the reveal that no, no, that's just a side benefit. We've like got we, his whole we're other giving thing. him this win. Right. We're not showing you how he got all this gold. Just accept that he got all this gold. So with our main storyline of issue two ending there, Noel, where did that leave you? That that leaves me with the PSA at the end. But let's uh... talk about the PSA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I loved I loved this. This is because they do these in every issue of some in some way, but. Um, in this particular one, of course, there's a kid <laughs> coming out of the comic book store and he's like, hey, hey, I can't believe I just got to stole that. It serves him right. Runs right into this uh, this silent purple man. As well, and, it's Eyes. Funny, and it's funny that the kid is talking about how expensive comic books are. Well, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like this it's, is it's so this meta. meta. Right. It is. And the kid in 19, 1985, uh, they would have been 75 cents, but now... Which at the time, we were like, 75 cents? They they used to be six... I remember yeah. when they were 60 cents. <laughs> but of course, he comes out, he bumps into uh, his favorite G.I. Joe, the silent purple ninja himself, Snake Eyes. Um, and uh, Snake Eyes just stares at him. <laughs> Cause him to completely rethink all of his bad decisions. <laughs> well, the kid has his own narrative of what Snake Eyes is conveying to him about stealing being bad and dishonesty being wrong. And it's it almost fantastic. makes you wonder why they never use Snake Eyes in one of these PSAs to do this exact same thing right. to just stare. Right. It's perfect. It's wonderful. This kid has a future in the MCU 
to translate a uh, black bolt speak <laughs> or non-speak i guess yes he could be black bolt's <laughs> little assistant uh so that's how we close out well that's how we close out every issue of uh gi joe saturday morning adventures uh but then issue three the first thing out of the gate on the well i like the fact that we've got mainframe in here but the first thing that jumped out at me is quick kick is a team leader yeah it's a little weird huh <laughs> they really like well you know they really wanted that quick kick banter in here as much as possible yes. and uh so they they found a way to do it i do like that he refers to his team as his supporting cast yes uh and we've got you know nice dialogue between scarlet and mainframe again uh they're quips but they come off naturally it's not it doesn't feel forced it feels like the cartoon dialogue it feels like that back and forth again to give each character on screen a bit of dialogue a bit of story a bit of momentum within the things that are going on and of course we find Duke, where else, <laughs> in the arena of sport. <laughs> Who, and one, is not at all surprised that Cobra has a genie. And two, acknowledges that it's just common knowledge. Like, everyone knows that a genie only grants you three wishes. Right, right. So, Obviously, at some point, you're going to use all your wishes, so why should I even be concerned about what you're going to do to me in this arena? So let me ask you guys, uh, if you're looking at these pages with me right now, you'll notice there are two other combatants in the arena with Duke. The visionaries! This, yes! Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize it until the second page that they appear on like, at first, I was like, wow, that armor looks oddly specific. What is that? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my gosh, they're visionaries. Well, this yeah. is awesome. Before it's... we get there, I just have to acknowledge when they yell, release the gladiators, they show a crowd shot, and it's the Dreadnoughts and Dr. Bindbender just hanging out with the Dreadnoughts. Well, and who's the guy in the fedora behind them? Like, some effort went into... Yeah drawing that specific character but i don't know who that is yeah i'm i'm not sure because it i i, I just glanced at it and i thought maybe it was like nagahide even though he was after the original sunbow no because this it looks like this guy has a pencil thin mustache yeah this is just some shady like dude. i don't yeah. do you guys remember the original electric company yeah, of course. He legit looks like Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Do, Sesame do, Street. Do, yeah, that was say that's Sesame Street. Oh, was that, that was Sesame Street? Sesame Street. Yeah. What was uh Electric Company? Oh, Electric was the Company one with had Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, the Bloodhound Gang, Easy Reader as Morgan yeah. Freeman. Did Electric Company have the two faces that would talk back yes. and forth? Yes. Okay, yes. okay. But they they had a character on there, Fargo, North Dakota. And he legit looks exactly like this. So, well, who knows? That yeah. might very well be who it is. But we also well, have Xandar. I think, I think they're just. We have Xandar front and well, not front center, and center, but very well, front first in side. line. Yes, I think his... you know. There's a lot of people in that crowd, so I'm guessing those are just like regular creeps that are hanging out with the Dreadnoughts and 
stuck in my middle. But that I I don't know. He just looks so specific. Listeners, if you if you know who this Fedora man is, hit us up. Let us know. Send us a picture on Instagram. Uh, all right, so Duke is in the arena of sport with two visionaries. Cobra Commander straight up says, it is a little awkward. This is one of the instances where the dialogue kind of gets a little clunky. Uh, call me sentimental if you will, Duke, but I enjoy forcing my enemies to fight to the death for my enjoyment. That's a little redundant, I think. I enjoy watching my enemies fight to the death for my enjoyment. I think we could maybe use pleasure or something there. I don't know. Uh, and he releases a fatal fluffy. <laughs> a wild fatal fluffy appears. I love this. This is absolutely fantastic. Uh, all right. So we're on Cobra Island. We have uh, Quick Kick's team, which consists of, as he pointed out, uh, Joes whose names begin with S, Snake Eyes, Shipwreck, and Spirit, facing off against, and I, you, you know, I absolutely love this Cobra team, Storm Shadow, Copperhead, Firefly, and a bunch of Cobra troopers, and we're just going to get into it here. Battle on the Beach... Now, that panel, after they show the the Cobra troops, that first shot of everybody fighting, I love. However, the way they chose to spotlight Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, I want to know where Snake Eyes leapt from, that he is getting that much air. There's a tree just right off the side. He is flying at that point. At least Storm Shadow is in a martial arts kick. Well, uh, although if they're really wanting to stay true to Sunbow, they should have paired Spirit right with yeah. Storm Shadow and because I, they I never really note. clashed in the in the cartoon. Yeah, and and that was it's it's really the most inauthentic thing in this series so far is storm shadow and snake eyes fighting, but I totally understand the compulsion to have them face off in a sunbow inspired project. But yeah, it really should have been spirit and storm shadow that and referring to GI Joe headquarters as the pit, which I don't remember if that was an issue one or two, but Oh, I didn't catch that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Uh, you know, you you, you do want to throw some <clears throat> throw some Easter eggs in there as well. But uh, yeah, again, th- those are things that were not in the cartoon. That it's like it feels a little weird when you're going for that very specific uh, nod here. So we uh, spirits squaring off against Copperhead, and then we move back into the arena of sport uh, where the visionaries are getting killed by the fatal fluffy. And this is where Duke drops the little nugget. Why can't it ever be Flint getting stuck in this stupid arena? (laughs) Which is so great. Uh, And again, it's meta, but it's funny. And it's not so out of character that it breaks the story. Uh, And then Flint, uh, I mean Flint, Duke, of course, gets the upper hand on the fatal fluffy knocks it out and Cobra Commander's infuriated because he won. Don't you know how expensive those things are? 
And I love the idea of Cobra Commander having an awareness of the fatal fluffy budget. It costs a lot to feed, I'm sure. Well, and to develop. Well, that's true too, but you know. Uh, so we get Cobra Commander demanding the genie grant his very specific wish that breaks the rules of what the genie will do, uh, which I'm sure will turn out just fine for Cobra Commander. But back on the beach with the big fight going down between the two teams, Firefly, <laughs> again, a, a kind of meta thing, but also very reasonable in the context of the situation. Why can't I be fighting the one that doesn't talk? <laughs> I really like the idea of Quick Kick just annoying everybody. Yeah, very, uh, very Spider Man ish. Although there's a weird uh, inconsistency with uh, with Firefly's accessories because he's punching Quick Kick and he has no grenades and no pouches. Oh, you're right. Ears, and then they reappear again three frames later, two frames later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But you know what? Sunbow. Yeah, Sunbow, right. <laughs> we're, we're lucky uh, his his uniform didn't turn Caucasian flesh tone in that panel. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh, <laughs> this is a great moment, too. So we have we have a whole entire page of Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes facing off, which, again, like, I get the compulsion to do that, but it did feel a little off and then we get a giant beam of light shooting out of the top of the terradrome and the joes are concerned and firefly immediately assumes that cobra commander has messed up again and all of the cobras are like we're out of here we've we've been to this party we know how this goes down let's bail and I love that they all just assume that their leader has once again made a huge, terrible mistake. And of course, they're correct. So we uh, we have a little moment here where the genie and Cobra Commander are kind of facing off. The genie's making it clear that he's sick of Cobra Commander's nonsense. Baroness takes a little moment, and I like that they devoted a few panels to this, mm -hmm. uh, even though it didn't go anywhere. But Baroness tries to get the lamp for herself. It, it's just a little quick side thing that's very in character, very in keeping with how Cobra works. And the genie, of course, is not having it. And and just spoiler for issue four, this it's also a little bit of foreshadowing. Oh, okay, but okay. I, I do like the genie's line there. It's it's not just that that Baroness fails. Um, and I haven't read it issue four, so this is part of the foreshadowing. I legit don't know. Um, but where he says, like, if you can take power, you'll deserve it. Yes, but yes. not from me. So kind of letting I don't know it. To me, it said more about Baroness's character because that's what she's going to do. She's always going to try and take advantage of a situation. So after that little mini confrontation, we get this wonderful series of panels that I can 
a hundred percent visualize in my mind animated. I can hear the sound effects that are yes. happening. That whoop, whoop. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Of all the Joes and Cobras disappearing and being teleported, uh, as the genie explains, your words were, you have the power to end the conflict between G.I. Joe and Cobra, and then you demanded I grant your wish. It's not my fault that you phrased it in such a way that gives me flexibility. I told you there were limits to what I can do. You should have listened, but I'm giving you the chance you wanted. The chance to destroy your enemy in battle if you can. And then Cobra Commander, as he appears on the beach, treachery! And we get the big giant genie head, no master, not treachery, the other half of the <laughs> battle. And all the Joes and all the Cobras are lined up on the beach, presumably in, to engage in one-on-one -on -one conflict. The first two things that jumped out at me, well, let me, looking at this beautiful two-page splash panel, what jumps out at you guys? There are two major things that jump out at me. The first one is Gung Ho's missing chest tattoo. Yeah. Which I had to go look up if he had the tattoo in Sunbow because I couldn't remember off the top of my head. I was like, oh, wait, maybe they just didn't give him the tattoo in the Sunbow cartoons, but he did have it. Um, anything else in to you September. guys? Unless yeah, I'm you're remembering right. wrong. Timber is there all of a sudden. Well, no. Well, they I, mean, I don't remember Timber having the black stripe down him. I think they did animate Timber that way. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Cartoon. I think that's right. Okay. Do you think it's odd that they chose the two like Bayou folks to be in the front there with Copperhead and Gung Ho in the very forefront? Oh, yeah, you're right. But no, my my issue, my issue with this is there should be a lot more people with Cobra. Like if Cobra had their full forces there, how many troopers and Vipers and CGs and other right, various right. troopers should be in this, in this shot? And how badly would G.I. Joe be over like outnumbered at this point? But as a Sunbow production, this is what it would be. Right. Because they didn't do like they did that for big, like, non-critical battlefield things the but couple I... of times that i read this legit right now did i only notice that there is a giant bat behind the genie head and that is probably not one of your things but when they show him like he's standing there standing the guard whole time this, yeah the whole time yeah totally but uh yeah christian i i didn't notice that until just now when you pointed it out <laughs> no the thing that jumps out at me is out of all these characters uh the only one armed is bazooka and he could end this right now <laughs> that's true <laughs> nobody else has that well okay so like the guys that oh. have uh, grenades or whatever is part of their look have their stuff storm shadow has his swords but Bazooka is the only one with a firearm <laughs> and he could end this conflict immediately. So I, I would imagine issue four is very short. 
So, th- but this is a, a a beautiful panel, a great way to end issue three. I can't wait to read issue four. I guess I'm going to have to run to the comic shop tomorrow while I'm out and grab it. Uh, I I love this series. Oh, you know what? We've got another PSA. Christian, do you want to tell us about this PSA? Yeah. So uh, with this PSA, there's a little SOB of a kid who is using a slingshot to shoot uh this poor innocent little cat that's just uh minding its own business so we get a great moment with law and order um so order comes up and of course he's barking at the kid and he's like i gotta get out of here and um law you know of course is explaining to him hey we don't like seeing people that are are cruel to animals you should show respect to them you know and the kid of course was like oh yeah no i know but law's final remarks are so (laughs) perfect he's like knowing is half the battle but seriously i see you pelt anything else with that slingshot our next conversation is going to be different well the kids in these comics are so much worse than the kids in the in the actual sunbow psas because like yeah. those kids were like oh let's mess around with some uh fallen power lines or oh oh we're gonna go skate out on the ice they were just doing dumb things these kids are evil they're, they're right. delicious they were doing yeah. darwinism and and these kids are gonna grow up to legit be delinquent but i, well, I love and- that like you know in the last one the kid's like okay I'll, I'll take my i'll give my comic book back and it's you know i mean i guess snake eyes can't say anything quippy but i just love that law is like yeah i taught you your lesson but seriously kid i'm going to hurt you if i see you do this again or well, unleash order on you well right because check this line out order could have torn you apart yeah <laughs> order this is a gi joe uh, a children's character order could have torn you apart lots of a, things could <laughs> lots of things could and he's smiling the whole time oh he loves it he's scaring the, the heck out of this kid and he thinks it's great and of course i'm reading this in the 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 law accent from gi joe oh, the yes movie. of course of course <laughs> that we discussed on the last episode uh so yeah this series is absolutely fantastic i hope that it continues on uh you know obviously idw i believe at the end of the year is losing the comic mm-hmm. license yeah so this is probably the only four issues of this we're going to get but whoever gets it next I, I would love to see them bring this creative team back and, and continue this series because it's fantastic and i love the there's there's some really great like alternate cover uh options and then some other really great uh artwork that they compile at the end as they often do in these books yeah and some by some very different artists that are just kind of unrelated um there's the one in this one it's the last picture with like duke and footloose and rock and roll jamming out in a band yes (laughs) and i love that i kind of want that as a print on my wall shipwreck with his tongue hanging out like gene simmons yeah, that that and, and it's fun. <laughs> I love that everything about this is just fun. Uh so yeah, if look, if IDW can go back and bring Larry Hama back to write new G.I. Joe comics, then anything is possible. So hopefully whoever gets the well, we know who's getting it. Robert Kirkman and uh Skybound mm-hmm. uh will be producing G.I. Joe comic books. So 
well, let's put it out there. Let's bring Eric Burnham and this team back to do more Saturday morning adventures, except maybe change the name to be more accurate. <laughs> Weekday afternoon adventures. I don't know. All right. It is time to move on. Welcome to Missing in Action, where we highlight a character that, uh, while we may have seen him in some media, we were sorely lacking him in the world of plastic back in the day. And for mine, I know we've talked about some pretty significant characters, both in the comics and the cartoon and other media, um, usually like a like a, a major G.I. Joe or a Cobra character. But sometimes to build those worlds out, you had to have all these other characters on the side. And one that appeared a few times in G.I. Joe, but not just G.I. Joe, was Hector Ramirez. Uh, of course, he appears in the cartoon as the host of the TV show 20 Questions. He is a uh, kind of a tabloid style journalist, uh, but uh, you know, going for sensationalized stories clearly was designed kind of uh, based around Geraldo Rivera, who at the time uh, was known for having a talk show and for doing some investigative journalism. There was a big kerfuffle where he uh, was going to open up Al Capone's vault on live television. Al Capone's glove box! <laughs> and boy, it was one of the most disappointing things ever to be aired on television. It was not a good idea to do so. You found some dirt in some bottles, and that was pretty much it. Roadmaps! Um, <laughs> so, um, because of that, they, they, they brought him in here. Um, he, of course... Uh, kind of is, is questioning gi joe um you know uh talking about whether or not like cobra was a conspiracy theory was a hoax i mean it kind of reflects a little bit on some modern quote journalists that you might see in the world today so it's actually pretty relevant at the time um and uh, actually kind of a double missing in action because not only missing in action from uh, being a toy as a matter of fact ever uh hasbro's never produced a hector ramirez figure but he was also missing an action from G.I. Joe the movie, even though he is credited in the in the cast listing. Oh, um, really? In the credits. I didn't even yeah. know that. Yeah. So there was apparently uh, a scene that was supposed to where he was supposed to be reporting on the spores going up into space. Uh, but they cut it. I don't know if it was for time or if they just never got around to storyboarding it or anything like that. But that wow. was apparently initially in the works. He was originally in the script and he is like he is listed uh, with, uh, of course, Neil Ross, the voice actor uh, doing Hector Ramirez. But I, of course, we can't go without saying that he was kind of the linchpin of what I mean, we could uh, we, we could be looking at something similar nowadays where we're taking several properties by Hasbro and combining them in one universe because he also appeared in the Transformers. He appeared in the Inhumanoids and he appeared in Gem. Uh, and apparently Buzz Dixon has said that he was this close to appearing in My Little Pony. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> And they used Neil Ross as his voice for all those other shows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... And there is a character in the uh, the Deke cartoon 
that is clearly meant to be him, but they didn't use the name Hector Ramirez. And I don't know if that's just because that was that that character may have been the intellectual property of Marvel Sunbow. Sunbow. Yeah. So they uh, they called him Jose Riviera. Um, but yeah. he's pretty much the same character. He looks like him. He's got the same personality. Um, yeah. So he's they, he's been in a lot of media. And in that episode on the the Dick series, um, it says that if you look at the newspaper text in that episode, the byline says Hector Ramirez. Mm-hmm. So. So if he is a late change, if he is Marvel Sunbow IP, I hope that doesn't prevent supers because he seems like an obvious candidate for a super seven reaction figure. Well, and you know, that's, that's definitely Mm -hmm. where I could most likely envision him being produced. I can't imagine that Marvel Sunbow would not be willing to negotiate a deal with super seven and Hasbro to release this figure. Um, I, I can't imagine it's at the top of their list of, of intellectual properties they want to hold on to. No, Do they can't. even exist anymore? Like, what is the status of Marvel Sunbow now? Well, yeah. Is who knows? Even, yeah, who well, knows even who has that? Uh, yeah. it, it could be the rights of Marvel, but I'm not sure how that how that whole thing works out. But, and granted, I, I don't remember this, um, but in the reading that I did, it says that in the Devil's Due series, he made an appearance. Yep. And they killed him oh, off. Yeah. But they did call him Hector Ramirez. So that would make me think that the rights are... Or that Devil's Due just didn't just care. Didn't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's, that's kind of the way I... possible. Because they really... like. I'm not sure how they got the rights to do all the Red Shadows oh, stuff either they were doing. Yeah. Hasbro... Hasbro obtained the rights to in 2008. Hasbro obtained the rights to all of the Sunbow Productions animated series. So Hasbro okay. owns all of this now. Okay, good. Okay, good. So yeah, so then we may be seeing him show up in Super Seven. I, I would, I would buy a reaction figure in a heartbeat. Yes, there's a little microphone. You know what? Honestly, I, I need him, and I need his cameraman. Yeah, I need a two pack. Uh, this, is, this is a great pick. I cannot believe he hasn't come up earlier. But we don't we don't do this segment every episode. Like we, well, yeah, we, there's we only a, I mean, there's a limited number of characters that you can really pull from that were significant. And I think that if you this is one of those characters that if you think about, like he's more significant than some of the other ones that that we've talked about before. He's because, more significant than some of the Joes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's been in more episodes of the cartoon than probably Grand Slam and Steeler combined. He he is the dyad of the Sunbowverse. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, I. I had a white hot visceral hatred for this character when I was a kid. I, he disgusted me. He angered me. I wanted to see him shot in the face. <laughs> with one of those laser rifles um it's so funny to think back on how emotionally invested i was in some of the like some of my favorite cartoons back then and to see his 
dirty pig face with his little mustache in front of me right now just brings back how much distaste I had for this guy who was trying to undermine undermine a real American hero. I really hated him, but now, of course, I recognize. Interesting. Oh, I, I, I did. I, I hated him more than like Cobra Commander or, or any of the actual villains from the show because what he was doing was so greasy and weaselly and like, uh, you know, Cobra Commander comes from a a, a place of very pure, uh, wanting to control the world. Whereas this guy is just a, a disingenuous piece of trash. I, I I disliked him so much. But now, like I said, I recognize what the character was there for and what it was representing. And I love it. And I need a figure. <laughs> Any more thoughts about the, the evil, disgusting Hector Ramirez? Then it is time to move on. Trouble. Are those the new Joes, Destro? Yes, Commander. Who's on the watchtower? That's the jungle trooper. Code name, Secundo. And manning the howitzer? That's the flamethrower. Code name, Blowforge. And the halo jumper. Code name, Ripcord. Who's by the bivouac? That's the dog handler. Code name, Mutt. And his dog, Junkyard. They'd not seen the last of Cobra. Watchtower, howitzer, bivouac, and G.I. Joe figures each sold separately from Hasbro. And now it's time for instruments of destruction where we take a look at a gi joe or cobra vehicle across all its many forms uh however as i like to do we're doing it a little bit differently this time uh as most of our listeners know i am a fan of more of the um playset aspects to toy lines. So today we are going to talk about the Bivouac Battle Station. So it came out in 1984. And the best way I can sort of, I, I know a bivouac is a real military thing, um, but you'll have to excuse my ignorance. So it's like a sort of like a, a little outpost kind of a half tent with a cot in it it's got a radio um well what looks to be like a first gen satellite radio to be able to uh communicate anywhere it has a missile launcher to keep your area safe a canteen to keep your joes watered and an axe a machete um, of course, all, you know, little tiny pieces that most people lose throughout the years, um, and a shovel. So this was not something that I owned as a kid. However, my best friend growing up 
did have it. And this was very much so a favorite of mine uh, to play with. Um, I used it more as a medical field for for Doc. This this is where um, the, the little cot is where the injured Joes would go so that that Doc and later on Lifeline could could take a look at them. And of course, you would have the rest of the team uh, being able to keep them safe by shooting the missile at anything that that comes near them. Uh, it continued to be sold in 1985 and was finally discontinued in 1986. So that left me when I was looking at all of that. Um, it obviously sold pretty well for them. Um, didn't I don't really remember it featuring in any of the early Sunbow cartoon stuff. Um, however, you know, it, it did have a commercial for it. Um, it was the molds. Well, so it says that the molds had never been reused, but correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that missile piece used for some of the other play sets? Not that I remember. There's really? A similar one. Um, it may have been in the bomb disposal set, I, or, that's... but yeah, I mean, I it's it's similar. It may not be the exact same molding. Um, I think some of the tools, like I think that, um, I think that maybe the machete and the shovel, I'm pretty sure, comes with the 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 um, the raft. Uh, what, why can't I think of the name of the it night right landing? Now? Yeah, the night landing. Um, really is that the same it looks like the same shovel um i'll i'd have to look at them side by side let's see here as i said 1985 is that when the night landing came out yeah i think so there's there's so many little parts to lose to this so you know where i grew up in kentucky um flea markets yard selling it, it was very much so a part of your collecting habit as a kid because people didn't really hold on to their toys this is a different shovel it's got a longer handle on it hmm. okay hmm. and i can think of at least like when i got my my whirlwind um at a yard sale it had i know the whirlwind itself didn't come with that missile launcher but like i was always finding that missile launcher so that's why I thought it must have come with some other other pieces or, you know, other sets. Um, it's funny you said that about this being your first aid base, because I didn't remember that. But as soon as you said it, I used it for the same thing. This was Doc's outpost for me. If you do a Google image search for G.I. Joe Bivouac, it's one of the one of the pictures that shows up is a little station where you've got Doc looking over tripwire while Blowtorch and Mutt are looking on at the bivouac. So oh, is that from like uh, a catalog or something? It's from <laughs> what's from my generation toys is the site is what I'm looking at right now. Um, it looks like they were selling it. So I don't know where the uh, image originally came from, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, that's how it, that's how they're being used in this picture. So somebody, somebody posed it that way at one point. I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a good place for it. And I, this was one I never owned as a kid. So um, I 
very recently um, acquired a bivouac. In fact, I got one at um, at uh, Joe Fest, and actually, that's uh, and uh, I got some stuff from them the previous year too. And I wanted to shout them out, and I've got their card over here. It's a Nostalgics was the name of the booth. I got my water moccasin from them, them last year, and they do a really great job of restoring and customizing vintage vehicles. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, Nostalgics with an X at the end. Um, great work, and that's where I got my bivouac, and I got it for a really, good, really good price. So I was very happy to put this in my collection finally. Yeah, I finally, I finally got one last year. Um, they said it was complete, however, the antenna that they had in the bag is an antenna that obviously goes with a vehicle because uh, it's mm. ginormous. Um, but that's okay. Um, something else I wanted to point out a, a, about this, at least from um, my personal attachment to why I, I love this so much. Um, so as a kid, my parents, a friend of theirs, however it was, my father acquired a World War II army cot that soldiers would use. You know, oh, you, wow. could, you could fold it up, um, collapse it, and, you know, carry it on your back. And that was like, I, I took that to every sleepover I went on. And I held on to that thing all the way through college. Um, a lot of people say they're uncomfortable, maybe because I had it as a kid. I was just used to it and I loved sleeping on that thing. And yeah. it was an exact match for the one that that comes with the bivouac. So it very much so when I played with it, it as a kid, it was one of those like, I have this. So... So I love these little sets and we've talked about these kinds of things before uh, because they're little pieces of world building. Yep. They mm -hmm. create new scenarios and new environments for your Joes outside of the headquarters, outside of the terror drome. They're stationary. They can be uh, centers of action. You, you park your vamp and your armadillo next to this or your mirage, your ram, whatever the case may be. It's a, it's a little mini field headquarters. Uh, it's a place that can be like a hub of your activity. And I always loved that GI Joe had these types of things in the line, these stationary field uh, bases. And I mean, really, I mean, when you look at it from the marketing standpoint, these were targeted towards, you know, kids whose parents couldn't afford to buy them the Terradrome or buy them the G.I. Joe HQ. So it's like, hey, here's here's something you can kind of use as your base. That's yeah. not. Yeah. And yeah. and that's the way I like I use some of these smaller things like, you know, this is this is their G.I. Joe's like I use like the ammunition depot or something like that. And that would be like G.I. Joe's temporary little you know, base they had in the mountains while they were going to battle Cobra. I didn't have the big HQ, but I had something I could use as like the mobile one. It was like a rally point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. original retail price was $2.29. <laughs> so I, for the I, cost of a figure, you yeah. got a little mini base. Yeah. Yeah. 
I paid about 10 times that for mine. <laughs> <laughs> I paid more than that for mine. But, uh, still, and it was still uh, a much better price than you normally see them. Like a complete one, because I, I mentioned, I think, one on one of our um, Half the Babbles not too long ago that I, I saw one of these go for about $37 or something like that complete. And that's the lowest price you'll find it online. Like you normally it's 50 or more for a complete one. And yeah, you know, it, typically more in the 60, $70 range. When, it, when I got mine, uh, it wasn't like in my list of I'm currently looking for, but it popped up on Mercari. For, I want to say it was like 28 shipped. Mm-hmm. Something, something right or it was under 30 for sure. And I was like, well, I feel like I probably need to go ahead and grab that because it, it had everything. It looks great. Um, and that's what, you know, every once in a while, you got to go outside of what your current wants list is if you find a good deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic piece of, of G.I. Joe toydom. One of the, the, you know, interesting little side pieces that doesn't always get a lot of attention, but is definitely a big part of what made G.I. Joe so special. Excellent choice, Christian. Let's move on. Welcome to Beyond the 80s, where we talk about a portion of G.I. Joe that is, well, outside of the 80s. And this episode, we are taking a look at the 2008-2009 line of Combat Heroes. If you remember, cutesy little static figures were a huge thing. Well, they still are a huge thing, but Hasbro in particular was releasing, uh, as part of the Star Wars line, the Galactic Heroes. There was a line of Indiana Jones uh, figures like this, and they're essentially, uh, if you remember the muscle figures from the 80s, they're like that, except they're painted, and uh, they're adorable, and they're for the, I, I guess they would be preschool toys, maybe. When they're a little bigger than muscle, and there are, and they are in some, uh, at least limited articulation on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of them have arms or, or whatever that can move, like a swivel arm here and there. Yeah, uh, yeah. For the most... Usually at the head. I mean, granted, I don't know specifically for combat heroes. We'll get into that, but for the figures that were coming out at that time, it was usually um, some would have the waist, but it usually just um, some sort of turning at the arms and the head, and that's it. Well, even the but but even these, I mean, they they might have one arm joint, but if you look at them, wow. uh, yeah, they're not. I mean, these are not like Imaginex figures. These are these are essentially no. slugs. Uh, but they were they made their debut at uh, I think San Diego Comic Con is where the initial Snake Eyes and Timber set was released yep. uh, in two thousand eight. And I was able to order a couple of sets of those, one for myself, one for my son, who was one year old at the time. No, it wasn't <laughs> even one year old yet. Uh, but I knew I was going to be buying him G.I. Joe figures. So I wanted to get all of these. And this was just a year after 25th anniversary started. 
Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of G.I. Joe on the shelves at this point. But but it was still very early in the resurgence of G.I. Joe. To, so to see another form factor, and especially another form factor that was aimed at very young children, just seemed like such a cool thing to me. Yeah. Uh, they all came in two packs. And I'm trying to remember... I'm sure it listed on the individual feet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. we had Cobra commander with roadblock. The, uh, the Cobra, Cobra trooper came with Duke, Duke and I know that I'll know that forever. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Is it because you have 50 Dukes? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> because when these, when these guys went on clearance at target, I bought every single two pack of the oh, Cobra trooper. Wow. And Duke. I, I wish I had bought because I remember them being on clearance and I was like, well, we've already got two sets, so I, I don't <laughs> need more. And I wish I'd just bought a ton of them because they're great. Uh, Firefly so in another with- chapter of Atlanta, just being this toy heaven compared Uh-oh. to the cesspool that is Orlando. <laughs> at the time that these came out, I was when the announcement happened, I was super excited for them. I was all in on blind bag figures during this time period. Um, As a matter of fact, I, on my Flickr account, there is a whole album dedicated to all of my mini figure and blind bag photography. Uh, No matter, be it Toys R Us, the Kmart that was by Orlando, the Target that was over by the Mall of Millennia, the only ones I ever saw on the shelf were Roadblock and Cobra Commander. Never found any of the others, never knew any of my other G.I. Joe friends that found any of the others. And it soured me to that line very quickly because I was like, I'm obviously not going to get Cobra Commander and Roadblock if I can't find the rest. And and mini figs and blind bags, in hindsight, I kicked myself, but it was not something I would go on eBay and buy. Yeah, that, yeah. Those were legit. Some of the toy lines still where the hunt was part of the fun. Well, so, back then, everything still was, though. I mean, it was very rare back then that I, I would go online to buy anything. No, I would go on eBay. Yeah, I I know. I was I was still very much like if I can't get it from a store, then I don't care about it. But but I wasn't I wasn't in Orlando. (laughs) Yeah, Um, desert of the toy industry. So we had Firefly with Sergeant Bazooka, and then the the super deluxe pack that came with Snake Eyes, Timber, and Zartan. What's interesting about this is we got two entirely different uh, molds of Timber. The Comic Con yeah. exclusive one was was it seemed like almost more of an adult wolf, whereas the timber that comes with Zartan and Snake Eyes is is much cuter. He's adorable and he's holding his knife between his teeth. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, whereas the Snake Eyes is just a repaint of the Comic Con version. Uh, so Cobra Commander is in the great light blue. He has his hair dryer gun. And he has his fist in the air in a typically Cobra Commander pose. Uh, the Cobra Trooper has an approximation of the AK-47. Uh, Duke has the... What is that with the grenade launcher on the bottom? Uh, yeah, it's, Whatever. 
it looks like like Leatherneck's gun. Yes, yes. Like the, a... like the modified M16 with the with the grade launcher. And let's think about this. <laughs> These are like realistic military weapons in in preschool in a preschool toy. Yes, <laughs> it, it's something you would not see now at all. No, and he does have that Duke smile. Yes, he's got the big he smile. Is very happy and excited to be killing cobras. And and these are all like brightly colored. The sculpts are very dynamic and fun and, and adorable. Uh Firefly has his submachine gun and a giant, you know, wrapped up dynamite bomb or whatever. His colors are a little bit lighter than what we normally see, but I like it. It's a nice variation, especially against the darker gloves, backpack, and and uh web gear he's got roadblock is uh like super thick and chunky looking and he's got six feet of ammo going into the (laughs) going into madus yes yes it is bright green gloves i love uh and then there's bazooka holding his uh bazooka which is as big as he is But he's the fact, awesome looking. He's great. The fact that they get all of the detail on his jersey mm-hmm. is tremendous. Yeah. Uh, and then finally Zartan, which looks very much like the retro classified Zartan that's about to come out. Uh, he's got the blue highlights in his armor, uh, the brighter colors, just looks great. And he's got his uh compound bow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like when you think about this, this is this is one of the first times they really did Sunbow inspired toys because that yeah. Zartan is clearly Sunbow inspired. He's not, well, I mean, they all really are. They're yeah. all the brighter colors of the cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, except for maybe Firefly, but, but for the rest of them, they, they all, and, and again, that's just more appealing to younger kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the entirety of the first series that came out in 2008. And then in 2009, we're not going to get into the movie figures, uh, which would be a whole other thing because there are tons of those. Uh, but we will talk about the further uh, toy slash Sunbow based figures. I guess we don't even really need to get to how the into how the packs came. We'll just run down the figures one by one. Uh, start off with barbecue because kids love a firefighter yeah it totally makes sense there's there's a reason why lego releases a new fire station like every two to three years in their line yes that's an it's an evergreen concept yep the well anything i mean if you look at like rescue heroes or anything like that like kids love that stuff uh baroness comes along looking very weirdly proportioned compared to the rest yeah. of them. But they're trying to capture a more feminine look. She almost looks, and I know this is going to sound weird when you look at the rest of the figures. She looks cartoony compared to how all the other figures look. She does. She almost has like Babs Bunny proportions. Yeah. Like if you put her next to the Scarlet figure, I would think those are from two totally separate lines. And yet, it is the female form of this line because we've got Lady J, Scarlet, and Baroness all do. I mean, they all kind of have the, they're in different poses, but proportionally, I mean, they work together. Mm. 
Uh, then we've got Beachhead, who who is probably the darkest figure of all of them, aside from the original Snake Eyes. Uh, just dark green camo pants. Looks looks great. Looks like he should look. That pose is wild. He's like squatting down, but turning to aim his gun up. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I don't, I, I don't know what's going on, but it's it's imagine imagine having the limitations of this aesthetic and having to come up with different poses for all of these little figures. Well, that's the thing. So, so many of those minifigures at the time, most of them, their poses were more like what I see in Flint. Yeah. Very. So they were very much just like, um, you know, standard, just standing, maybe slightly bent knee. So the, the dynamic posing of like, beachhead of roadblock i i'm loving it well and speaking of dynamic posing next up we've got a (laughs) hooded cobra commander with a darker blue and a pointing finger yes he's got his fist up in the original and this one is pointing the the two classic cobra commander poses uh we have a viper with a, a beautiful, like dark blue that matches the commanders, but then that red stands out as well. That red and blue contrast looks so nice. Uh, he's got the viper uh, rifle. He's got the goggles and everything, uh, and he and he looks kind of. He's not really in an action pose. He's in a like you could have a line of these guys. Th- this is the combat heroes version of standing at attention. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the Crimson Guard and a slightly different version of that, I suppose. Uh, with the full black mask. Destro. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Okay. So that Crimson Guard and that Cobra Commander are part of Wave 3 that was unreleased in the United States. Well, they were released really? in the U.S., but they had very, very limited numbers. They they hit a couple of retailers, but they were okay. they were more widely available in Canada. Because, I I yeah, it was mostly everywhere but the U.S. Because um, the Wave 2 list that I have here was, says Beachhead with Baroness, Serpentor with Flint, Destro with scarlet and then storm shadow with barbecue and those were the last of mass release that makes sense because i remember having to order some of these through my local comic shop Mm. uh they were in previews so and because i'm looking at this snake eyes at the bottom here and he just looks really weird to me and he was in wave three with the Viper. And we've mm-hmm. we've got now, I don't know if I've got two sets of the wave three. I might have only ordered the one set. I, I'm going to have to look and see what we've got exactly. But I remember having to order some of these through the local comic shop. Yeah, the, the wave find them at retail. The wave threes, I never got my hands on because they are so hard to get. Like if you look at, if you look up, just like Major Blood is sitting at $58 is the starting bid on eBay. Nobody's bid on oh, them wow. yet, but I mean, like, the, those are, the, I wish I'd gotten, I wish I'd ordered them at the time, because like yeah. I, said, I have everything that was released mass market in the U.S. Um, yeah, every every so often I'll go on and look for the shipwreck, because I didn't know he existed until 
we started doing this podcast. And look how jaunty he looks. Exactly. But I've never seen him on eBay for anything less than like 65, 70 bucks. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's like I would love I to have several. That. There, I'd love to have several CGs. There's a there's a CG and a shipwreck right now for 99.80. Buy it now. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could remember the exact circumstances. I just maybe they were featured online somewhere and I just was like, well, I don't want to wait. Let me just order them from Titan or whatever. I don't know what the deal was. Well, you were, you were smart to do so because you had a small fortune in your hands now. Wow. And and they're in a a tote upstairs. (laughs) Uh, Destro looks awesome. He's got his hand out. Like he's getting ready to shoot his wrist rockets. He's got his, his blaster his silver looks nice the black and red is great gigantic wrist rockets i love them yes mm-hmm. absolutely um flint we kind of talked about he's sort of in the standard pose for the minifigures of the era uh gung-ho is ready for action he's about to fire that grenade launcher i love that he's in those right colors he's got his mustache uh just really dynamic looking, great looking figure. Uh, Lady J, you know, she's a little easier to come up with a new pose for because she's got that spear that's a completely different, or javelin rather, that's a completely different thing from anybody else in the line. So coming up with something different for her was probably a little easier. And her sculpt is more feminine, of course, but she's not like, she doesn't have the little skinny legs like the Baroness does. She's actually got, you know, uh, it's a little bit more more i guess she probably stands up a little bit better this is this is not one i have because this was one of the wave threes oh yeah yeah but uh and she's also in her kind of sunbow colors the 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 shirt is definitely lighter than the pants yeah uh major even, blood even though his... flint is not in sunbow colors no he's not you're right yeah uh major blood with his grasping mechanical <laughs> hand raised yeah. up, looking which, terrifying. Which this right here, so I think it's been established that that's not a mechanical arm with major blood, but this sure does look like it because that's like a robotic joint. I, I feel like it goes back and forth with <laughs> with him. Uh, Scarlet, who is in comic book colors, which is an interesting choice. Yeah, uh, and and uh, not the best pose, and she does not stand up for anything. No, no, yes. no that you, there's just no way to get. The, you have to basically hold the crossbow above her head to get her to stand up. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's not balanced well at all. Uh, Serpentor with his big silver boots and knee pads, which is a weird addition to the character i'm uh, this is probably my least favorite of this entire line really i i just uh, he looks not good. his head his cowl to me does not look great but uh, well, aren't you aren't you a fan of the this i command from the toilet pose that he's currently <laughs> that's what I'm, honestly what i was sitting here thinking was he looks like he's taking a <laughs> you know what <laughs> and so that would just be perfect guys everybody everybody poops so he's sitting on a throne we just didn't tell you which (laughs) throne he's sitting on 
Uh, and then Shipwreck. Shipwreck looks awesome. He's got this yeah. arrogant, swaggery stance. He's holding his flintlock out. Polly's on his shoulder. He's got um, his. He's got his his fist on his his hip. On his hip. So yeah. dynamic. I like. I I I may. There may be adult beverages involved one night, but I know I'm going to wind up on eBay purchasing this shipwreck <laughs> for $75 one night. He is fantastic. And then this, uh, like I said, the snake eyes that clearly looks uh, quite different. He's got the, well, this is the commando. Yeah, this is commando the other one eyes. is the ninja. Uh, but I really like the, the bluish green web gear looks really, really nice. Yeah. It helps. It helps him pop a little bit more because if he was yeah. just all black or all dark gray, it just wouldn't be the same. Uh, and then finally, Storm Shadow with both swords. Uh, he's got his ninja shoes on. Uh, got the all white. Uh, just it looks cool. Look, and it's like hunched forward, like ready for ninja action. I dig it. Uh, so unfortunately, we got no vehicles with this line. Galactic Heroes had uh, a wide range of vehicles, but I guess uh, the combat heroes... They didn't see, you know, the the investment potential of, of doing vehicles or the line didn't last long enough. I don't know what the case was, but I, I would have loved to see anything scaled to go with these guys because the Star Wars vehicles were very nice. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And I mean, I think Star Wars was the only one because they had. Yeah. Because they also they have the Transformers ones, too. I guess they don't necessarily lend themselves to vehicles. I've had a lot of those robot and heroes. Indiana Jones, they had like a couple of horses but i don't think they had any actual vehicles for those yeah and the indiana jones one probably didn't last long either because that no, was no, no, no. hasbro didn't keep that license but no i'm sure that was like when a, crystal skull came wave out. yeah yeah to, when to, i think to, of all the like the power ranger ones uh which i know hasbro didn't have the license back then like they do now but like they didn't do any zords for them it was literally just here's the figures and that's it I did uh, acquire, as, as I mentioned before, I acquired a lot of these and a lot of the other like related lines, as I mentioned, the, you know, the Star Wars, the Galactic Heroes, the, uh, the Transformers ones. Um, and they all became like my extra ones because I usually had two or three of each characters. They became Christmas tree ornaments. So a little yeah. bit, a little, nice. a little, t- little eye hook, just like screw, screw it in right the back of their, their head. head or their back and yep. boom. And you got you got bonus Christmas tree ornaments. Well, this was just a, a, a fun little line that, you know, I would have liked to see go longer. I would love to see it come back, but I thought it was worth talking about because these are some some great fun sculpts and it's an important little part of G.I. Joe history. Yeah, whenever we talked about doing Beyond the 80s stuff, this is not something that would have just dawned on me to do, but I'm I'm really happy that you picked it because this is like, I love these guys. I, I like Funko Pops aside because I can't stand them. I do like little kind of cutesy, super deformed takes on characters that I love. So sometimes I'll go for those before I'll buy like the official mainline action figures, just especially when they're like small and cheap like this. And I can go buy a bunch of them for just a few bucks. Unless you're in Orlando. (laughs) Unless you're in Orlando. (laughs) But it also looks like there was a graphic novel done in this this style called uh we are gi joe came out really 2009 um i'm looking lots of stuff came out in 2009 true 
Um, I'm looking at the cover artwork for it. Learn about what makes G.I. Joe the go-to team when a hero is needed. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think and we it's might... got spirit on the cover in this style. And I think we I'm might have that. It. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to look and see if we've got that. We might review that. I was going to say, this I... looks like it's a future review. Yeah, I, I think so. I want to see Eight bucks more of shipping. the characters done in this that artwork style. Well, guys, we got to wrap this segment up and bring this show home. This is Knowing is half the battle where we each get a little bit of time to ramble about anything i'm gonna kick it off because i've got a priority missive to put out there into the world priority babble that's right priority babble listeners we need an artist or two there are some logo needs, some art needs that Audible Interlude has, some things that I want to get done. If you are listening to this and you are an artist or you know an artist who can produce uh, either graphic design or things in a G.I. Joe style, please contact us. Uh, really, the best way is Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram. Uh, just shoot us a message if you hear this and you and you are somebody or you know somebody who can produce some cool G.I. Joe uh, art and logos because uh, I we have need of that. So that's my bad. Christian, what you got? So uh, this past week, uh, in one of my brief moments of spare time, I was watching old reruns of Three's Company. And there was an Come episode, and there is this dance teacher uh, teaching Janet, and it was one of those moments where I'm like, gosh, I know that voice. I know that voice. And we're so trained, like whenever I watch an animated movie and I hear a voice I like, I can be like, oh, that's so-and-so. Somehow seeing the physical person through my mind in this weird Superman Clark yeah, yeah. loop. As soon as I shut my eyes and we just listened to the voice, I was like, Duke! Duke <laughs> is Janet's Michael Bell? dance teacher. And sure <laughs> enough, when I looked up the credits, Mike, it was Michael Bell. And I was wow. like, ah, this is fantastic. So shout uh, out to Michael Bell and your terrific episode as a misogynist pig in Three's Company. I've... <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I've had that moment a few times where it's like, I recognize, I don't recognize that face necessarily, but I recognize the voice. And then it like, you, I do the same thing. I'll close my eyes and all of a sudden it'll snap into my head. I was like, oh, that's, you know, whatever character from whatever cartoon when I love as a kid. you close your eyes, that voice becomes apparent now. <laughs> well, it's like, have you ever seen like Chris Lotta's stand-up comedy? No. <laughs> where he like, he starts doing some kind of funny voices in it. And if when he starts off, if you didn't know who it was, but as soon as he starts doing the voice that immediately is just like, that's gung ho, or that that's Ripper, oh, or it's that's one of the funny. other characters that he does, 
that it's like all yeah, right, yeah yeah he doesn't quite get cobra commander or starscream in there because those are very distinct that's voices. a lot but yeah. yeah he does hit some of the other ones that you instantly recognize i'll have to look that up that's funny yeah well noel uh what is your babble so mine actually it's a it's kind of a funny coincidence a couple weeks back i was um just listening i I listen to a lot of youtube videos uh, while i'm doing stuff like you know taking my breaks at work and stuff but i was listening to a peg warmers episode where they were talking about color forms and i have a bunch of color forms as a kid they were talking about the gi joe color form set and i was like i know i don't think i ever had the gi joe and i had a ton of them so anyway fast forward like three or four hours got off work and i ran to the store there's a thrift store right next to kroger so I was like, well, I'll hop into the thrift store and see what they have. And Get out of here. Right there was the G.I. Joe color form set. That's unbelievable. There, it was actually, it was in the showcase and they had it bagged with like, there was a Master of the Universe puzzle, Jigsaw puzzle. There was a Batman Forever um, uh, color forms. So they were still doing color forms well, well into the 90s. Do, do they have nipples? Uh, you know, I haven't even opened They're that one still yet. doing color forms now. Are they? I have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles set that I bought thinking it was like from the 90s. And it's from 2021. And then I, there, was a, there was a GoBots puzzle, which is another thing I bought it for. Ooh. It was one that I had as a kid. Not puzzle, but um, uh, model kit. It's one I had as a kid. Um and they won't let you open up the, the, the showcase items before you buy them. So you're, oh. you're taking a slight risk. Yeah, yeah. But a, a crapshoot, if you will. Yes, a crapshoot. It was very incomplete, but I was like, it was worth it just to like wind up getting this on that same day. And what's interesting about this color form set, and they pointed out too on the episode of Peg Warmers, is that like the Joes on the color forms are often uh, in poses where they're clearly holding weapons, holding weapons that are not yeah. there and <laughs> see i thought my set because i've got that set and i thought it was just missing the weapons nope they just they they put things like shovels and things in there so that you could you know put something in their hands but clearly they are supposed to be carrying something and it's like even the same thing with the cover that's a the g- generic joe that is obviously a uh takeoff on grunt and is not carrying the M16 on the cover. So right, if, you, if right. you just Google like GI Joe color forms playset, um, I'm sure you'll see the uh, the cover will be a, a easily easy to see um, in Google Images. Yeah, yeah my, I just cause... it was just funny just to see that the same day that I just saw somebody talking about it on a on a podcast. Yeah, that's that's completely crazy. <laughs> Something from what? That's probably 1983, maybe uh yeah probably 83 82 83 let me see if it's got a copyright date on for it that to it. just happen to have been sitting in the thrift store is Actually, is wild 1982 is oh it is 82 like okay yeah so this was the very first year this was some very very early marketing tie-ins for them that's the kind of stuff i love man that's that's what like that in the the laser blazer stickers and the oh, yeah. tins and all that kind of business. I love that. Shrinky stuff. dinks. Yes. So I need some GI Joe shrinky dinks as dumb guess, as shrinky dinks are. 
I'm just gonna have to come to Atlanta a couple of days early before Dragon Con. Do it and just run around to all these thrift stores and blow my Dragon Con budget. Before oh, we're convention. we're making it sound much better than it is. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a there's a level of attrition that you have to go through. Yeah, it, yeah. It takes some work. Like there's I might layers of disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I might hit this thrift shop. You know, uh, I live two, three in times Florida. There are layers of disappointment every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I walk out. I walk out nine out of ten times empty-handed when I go to yes. the stores. Yes. Well, guys, that is all the time we have for this week. Our music is by Andy Samford of ElectricMinnowMusic.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at GI Joe Audible. Noel, why don't you tell us a little bit about the finest? The finest is a GI Joe costuming club, and uh, of course, you can find us often at conventions throughout the country um, and even across the pond sometimes uh, where we raise money for a fantastic charity called canines for warriors. So uh, check it out. And if you ever thought about uh, putting on a GI Joe costume and joining us, joining up with us, we're always looking for new recruits. And Christian, where can we find that wonderful toy photography? You can find me on flicker.com and Instagram under the name Legion cub. And I would like to remind everyone that we will be recording a live episode at DragonCon this Labor Day weekend, uh, Sunday at DragonCon 1 p.m. in the DragonCon American Sci-Fi Classics track room. It will be a live interactive experience, and I highly recommend you come wearing your G.I. Joe costume. There will be prizes. There will be fun to be had. Gentlemen, thank you for once again sitting down and talking about G.I. Joe. As always, yo, Joe. Cobra. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.